Hello, listeners. One thing that I know is that thriving in divorce and beyond means not having to worry about the safety of your children when it comes to co-parenting. With alcohol abuse on the rise, many co-parents are turning to the system committed to providing proof, protection, and peace of mind. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking during parenting time. Soberlink's real-time alerts, facial recognition, and tamper detection ensure the integrity of each test so you can be confident your kids are with a sober parent. With Soberlink, judges rest assured that your child is safe, attorneys get court-admissible evidence of sobriety, and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. Pull back the curtain on the mysteries of parenting time and trust the experts in remote alcohol monitoring technology to keep you informed and your kids safe and secure. For an exclusive $50 off your device and to download the resource I created with Soberlink, Divorce and Addiction, A Guide to Move Forward, visit www.soberlink.com backslash Susan. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. You know, I had a pretty normal childhood to start with. I am from a really small town. And then my parents' divorce really affected them in a in a massive way. And I was pretty young. I was seven. And so, um, and that lasted through every graduation, every hallmark event of my life. Their pain and animosity and anger towards each other was palpable at every step of the way. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today I am joined by one of my friends. It seems like I start almost every episode saying, today I am joined by one of my friends because I'm so lucky to have amazing friends and colleagues in the world of divorce. I mean, honestly, some of the leading experts, and today is no exception. I am joined by my friend and colleague, Ashley Nicole Russell. Um, Thank you for taking the time. What you all don't know out there is Ashley Nicole is in her third trimester of pregnancy, (laughs) opening another law firm, and she's taking the time to join us today. So thank you. Thank you, Susan. You know, you're the great unifier, I feel like, of all of us. You're just, you keep us all moving forward. You're such a big part of, you know, what we're doing in this divorce world. So thank you so much for what you're doing for all of us. Well, it is honestly my pleasure and my passion because we have such a wonderful group of professionals out there who really want to change the divorce experience for people. And that's 
somewhat of what we'll be talking about today. So it's a great uh, intro to the topic because we're really, you know, you and I met, we, we've met along the way over the years here, but we got to spend some time together recently doing the event, the Doing Divorce Differently event with Ben Hildfond, our friends from Our Happy Divorce, Dr. Elizabeth Cohen, Michelle dempsey Multak. Um, you, me, am I missing somebody? No, nope. Oh God, I'm terrible. Our lovely and favorite, <laughs> di- America's favorite uh, dating expert, Bella Gandhi. And we had such a wonderful experience, but the overarching theme of that event was literally doing divorce differently because we are all professionals somehow affiliated with divorce or the divorce world and we want people to do it differently. We all have a passion for that. Um, and you and I happen to be very aligned because we are two attorneys who are very passionate about people doing divorce differently. So in many ways, this episode is about that, about doing divorce differently, why you are so passionate about it, um, and why you, we both, um, what we think can be done differently to help people have a better way. So again, Thank you so much for joining me. We're going to have a lot of fun in this episode, I know. We always have fun. Yeah. And we're going to share some great information for people. And, you know, I do want to start. So first thing, um, if you go to the recommended reading page of the Divorce and Beyond uh, podcast webpage, you're going to see um, Ashley Nicole's book. It's right behind her there. You can see the door opening. I love the cover of the book. Um, And it's, it's a really amazing book that takes your personal history as well as a great deal of, I was so impressed with the amount of research that you did. There are, I I just was reading it again. I have both the hard copy and the Kindle version. And I was just reading it um, in the Kindle version, which is especially lovely, everyone, because you can click on the links to see the actual research, which I just found, I mean, you really did a deep dive into the background of the topics. Um, And it's called The Cure, for divorce culture. Um, and, and you know, I think that that's just such an interesting title. We're going to dive into that. But you start the book with, even right in the forward, mentioning that this has something to do with your history mm-hmm. um, and, and what happened for you. Because you are a child of divorce, you are a divorce attorney, and you've been divorced. Correct. So you, you're the trifecta of divorce. Um, <laughs> The Trinity. Uh, yes. The, I don't know if we can call it the Holy Trinity, but the Trinity of divorce. Um, the one, only one I don't, I am not a child of divorce, but I've been divorced and I am a divorce attorney. Your being a child of divorce had a great deal to do with your story. And I didn't even know how much until we got to know each other in the at the event. And I heard some of your story there, but also in the book. So maybe... Let's let's start there. I think it, it gives people a good understanding of where you're coming from. So I think my parents' divorce probably had the single most 
largest impact on my entire life. And so, um, you know, I had a pretty normal childhood to start with. I am from a really small town. And then my parents' divorce really affected them in a in a massive way. And I was pretty young. I was seven. And so, um, and that lasted through every graduation, every hallmark event of my life. Their pain and animosity and anger towards each other was palpable at every step of the way until, you know, I really started to get into my own career and I got to law school and I realized a lot of the things that I was being taught were things that destroyed my childhood. And I realized that family law had so many issues and a lot of those issues were the same things that my parents were dealing with. And they weren't bad people. They just didn't know any better. And they were a product of the culture of divorce. So, and I like to try to make that differentiation because Divorce in and of itself is not terrible, but how we have created divorce in America, which is a culture of divorce in America, and like you said, the book goes through the historical perspective of how did we really get here? You know, how did my parents get to this place that they let it destroy their relationship with me? Um, and and so a study of that and an understanding of that and that has brought me a lot of peace. So it was a lot of controversy in my childhood. It led me though to be an incredibly driven and successful person in this arena because I had a passion to make it better and to make it different. Um, So it has been a silver lining in my life and I've been able to use it for good. But I want to make sure that the children of divorce right now are not going to relive my childhood because I happen to be an incredibly strong person, you know, like uh, just internally like a rock of a person, but not everybody is and not everybody has the same type of personality that I do. And I don't want those people to get stuck because a lot of them do in substance abuse, alcohol abuse, suicide, you know, the, the, the statistics around that are staggering and I've seen it in my own career. I've seen it a lot with people, people come to me now, you know, who are adult children of divorce or who are parents whose children are adults now dealing with the, the effects of their divorce. And I want to make it better. And so that's really been the big drive for me. Yeah. There's so much in what you just said, because I, you know, just that overall, um, the culture of divorce, right? We live in a country um, that treats divorce immediately as a war, mm-hmm. as a conflict cycle, as something that does not is not approached in a way to reduce conflict. It's actually approached in a way that exacerbates conflict. And all of my listeners have heard me say repeatedly, I know they're all out there going, oh, she's going to say it again. It is not divorce that causes problems for children. It is the level of conflict between their parents that causes problems for children. So when you have this institutionalized conflict cycle, which is the litigation approach in our country, it really just drives a family to a situation that ends up where where yours did. And, And if I can share, you know, you don't have a lot of contact with your parents at this time. Um, which I'm yeah. sure is, especially with you expecting your first baby, has to be a very poignant circumstance for you. Huge. And so, you know, for to put it in perspective for parents, and uh, whenever I was going through collaborative training, it's so interesting because it's almost like this was spoken into existence and then happened. One of the trainers that was going through collaborative law for me said to, um, you know, the attorneys, parents think they're entitled to be at the wedding and they're not. 
And then fast forward in my life, my second marriage, my parents were not invited. They don't even, I mean, as far as I know, they don't know that I'm married. They don't know that I'm having a baby. You know, they're completely cut out of my life. That sounds so harsh and it's not a punishment to them. It's not because they're bad people. It's because the toxicity is so intense and it's so domino effect into everything else. The only way I could have this successful second marriage and have this baby under no conflict was to remove the conflict. And so unfortunately, my parents were not able to figure out a way to get that themselves. And so through my own training and through my own level of boundaries, lots of therapy, lots of man in the mirror moments, I've been able to set, you know, my own course for my family to make sure that it's successful. But it's a really sad thing. It's sad for me. I grieve, you know, my parents not being in my life every day. It's weird to be an orphan and my parents still be walking around on the planet, you know. Like, it's not something that's the best case scenario, but it's what I can do for myself. And then every day I can try to make it better for other families and for other people so they don't end up in this space. And, you know, it's not, I'm not saying forever and ever um, that I'm never going to speak to them again, but until this gets better, you know, unfortunately, that's just the way that it is. And I don't want that because it's, I'm sure it's incredibly painful for them and it's painful for me, um, but it's the way that it's got to be. And, and it's something that I can help to cure for other people. Um, and this industry is, on a positive note, it is getting so much better. You know, whenever I was a child and going through this, there was, you know, there was like an instant cutoff. My childhood then did not exist. No one ever spoke about it again. It's like their relationship never existed. So my entire identity was like, you know, the foundational aspects. Children want to know you know, where do they come from? What was their parents' relationship like? What was their childhood like? And when two people get divorced, it's almost like they just want to pretend like that entire area just disappears. Nothing ever happened. But that's cutting the roots off of a tree for a child. And it cannot stand if it does not have the roots under the ground. And parents, unfortunately, start chopping all that away and being like, oh, no, I was never really in that relationship. It, It was just... You just popped out of the ground here. (laughs) (laughs) And you're just like, where's my foundation? Like I need things that go down into the ground that hold me to it. And unfortunately that was all taken from me. I mean, you know, I can go into all the sad stories, but all that has changed because there are lots of us like you and I doing this work. Collaborative family law has been in this country for decades now in North Carolina, where I am specifically, it was incorporated in 2003 in our general statutes. And so, um, you know, that type of work, mediation, alternative dispute resolution is really starting to rehab the divorce culture of America. But we got here because of, you know, really supply and demand, which is crazy. But if we can start to identify that, then we can start to fix what has happened. Right. And that's really the, you know, one of the key messages of this episode of your book of every time I talk about mediation as an alternative approach. I mean, you and I both know um, the the litigation approach. I, I was actively engaged in it as a litigator for 20 years. Um, and and to my, in my defense, I didn't know there were other ways either. We weren't taught. I, I'm much older than you are. When I went to law school, there were no 
courses on mediation or collaborative law or, uh, you know, alternate approaches to a non-conflictual, non-adversarial divorce. Um, So we've had to learn it as we've gone along, but the world now is aware. Um, But we can't bring enough awareness to that area. And I mentioned to you, and it's actually a little embarrassing that almost between both of my podcasts, I've done, I think, over 200 episodes I have not done an episode on collaborative law, what it is, what a collaborative divorce is, how it works. And you are literally one of the leading experts in the area. Your firm, your collaborative firm, was the first one that opened in, I think it was in Greenville, North Carolina, Mm -hmm. when you opened your first. And now you're up to four? Yep. Fourth one opening this year, this month. Next week. <laughs> so, so if you're wondering if this is a woman who knows how to get things done, um, yeah, talk, you, you mentioned earlier, a strong and driven person. But what you're creating, your firms are based on approach. You don't do litigation work. You no. are based on approaching divorce from that collaborative model. So I, I would love to spend a little time talking about what collaborative divorce is, what it looks like, and why... It's something that I think every family should consider as they're going through divorce. And I think you think so as well. Oh, 110 million percent. So, um, you know, whenever I, so I'm in law school, right? I'm taking family law and, you know, they're going through like, you know, some of the case law and tactics and things. One of the first things you learn is for the clients to not speak to each other anymore. They're supposed to only communicate with their attorneys and their attorneys communicate with each other. And what Like that entire concept, as soon as I heard that, I was like, okay, well, that's where it all started. Like how physically were my parents supposed to actually be able to raise me in a balanced way with respect for one another if they were not able to communicate with each other again? Like that doesn't even make sense. So I, you know, started to kind of be like, okay, this is a problem. What has happened? And and it just so happens that the law school that I was at had had a dispute resolution institute as part of the law school where, you know, we did clinics around all the alternative dispute resolution processes, arbitration, mediation, and collaborative. And so I was able to find collaborative family law. Um, the, my mentor was Mark Springfield and he actually created collaborative in the state of North Carolina. And then all of my firms were the beginning of, so, you know, two thirds of my state, my state's pretty long. I started collaborative in two thirds of the state. And so a third of it had already kind of established it. And then whenever I graduated, I expanded it to the rest of the state. And at first it was like, oh, you're just so cute with this little law you're going to practice. You know, cute from, little blonde you. Just so cute. And I'm just like, okay, watch me work. And so, um, you know, I just knew it was going to be the future. I knew that the pendulum in the history of America, everything goes to a certain point and then it has to come back. Like that's just the way that our country works, has a way of self-regulating like that. And I knew that this wasn't a hard sell. It was cheaper, it was faster, it was private, and it was less emotionally um, disastrous. And so I was like, how this has every sales pitch it could ever need. I 100% believe in this process, but nobody else did. No one else in the legal world did because they were like, no, no, no. These people are not capable of doing this. They're not capable of communicating with each other. They're not capable of being able to handle their own divorce. I'm like, 
what? They built every single stone of this house, of this foundation, of this life. They physically had these children. No one was there with a rule book whenever they (laughs) gave birth and decided to raise them. You know, like, how are we just so convinced that, and we have such lack of faith in humanity that they can't survive conflict together? There are parents who make it through children who are dying and they come back, you know, are able to have major health issues to get them through that. People are resilient and families are resilient. And I have a tendency to believe in humanity, I think, more than some people do. But I was like, there's no way. This is 100% possible. And so I really committed to the concept of collaborative. And as soon as I graduated law school, I started a collaborative firm straight out of law school. And so, um, and I, I had a lot of people, you know, the people who are in the collaborative world are very committed and they're very like humanitarian. Um, I feel like everybody drives a Prius and is like very committed, you know, just to an overarching goal for the universe. But, um, but I'm not necessarily that way, but I do feel like it was a, just a very loving community that helped support me. And I started collaborative straight out of law school and now I've, I've grown it to this you know, really beautiful um, lifestyle that I have and career. And collaborative is is amazing because it has a, a couple of of tent poles. So one is both of the attorneys do not take the clients to litigation. And so you have a contract, it's called a pledge, and both clients and both attorneys sign that document stating that no one's going to go to litigation. So if, if settlement doesn't work, then the parties have to find two new attorneys, which basically never happens. So my settlement rate is like 99.5%. Um, so it's a huge settlement rate. Collaborative works all the time. Um, you know, I, the only place that I had a case that didn't 100% finish with me with collaborative still finished in collaborative. It just, I wasn't a part of it. Just there was a, a couple of different issues. But um, so every case that I've ever touched that started with collaborative ended in collaborative. So people sometimes fear, oh, well, I'm going to have to end up in litigation. That's not the case. These cases, they settle in collaborative because everybody has a joint mission and that's to settle. So what it does is it puts you and your attorney in the same mindset, which is that settlement is the goal versus generally family law attorneys have ulterior motives of driving towards litigation. Not all of them are monetary, but a lot of them are. Um, And in addition to that, litigation attorneys are not trained mentally to know how to communicate, to see communication pitfalls, to be able to help people talk past, you know, some of the calluses they have in communication. Collaborative attorneys are trained in all of that. And so it really is a beautiful process. It's 100% private. It stays completely out of court. Um, you know, depending on what state you're in and what the, the laws are around being able to have a contract versus a court order. If you have to have a court order, you can still submit a consent order. Um, but generally, a contract is going to be able to bind all of the financial aspects of the agreement. And then children. Children are also regulated through collaborative. Of course, the state is always going to hold the welfare of the children as its power. But the parents are able to choose what they want for their children. Now, if we just put this into just normal traffic terms, if you hire an attorney for a speeding ticket, you do not expect to show up in court. You expect that you are going to stay out of court and that your attorney is going to go to court and you're going to be out of court and that you're going to maintain control over your life. It amazes me that people walk into paying a ton of money to then spend weeks and months and years in court 
and show up and yet your attorney is not representing for you. You're actually physically having to go and deal with the emotional disaster of all of that. Doesn't make any sense to me. And additionally, you gave birth to these kids. You know, you should be the one making the decision for them at the end of the day, trying to put everything about your entire life in three hours for a temporary custody trial and then let some third person decide what's going to happen to your kids and what's best for them. It just doesn't make any sense versus collaborative. You're in a confidential conference room. You never have to go to the court or maybe you're on a Zoom. We do these all over the country now. (laughs) And, you know, we were doing Zoom, Corona, Corona Zoom way before that was even a thing, you know, across the country. And so that's, uh, you know, it's you court did not shut us down. Court did not shut down or uh, the pandemic did not shut collaborative down. You were always able to continue to deal with your cases outside of court. We never had to deal with the court closures. Um, So you maintain all of that and it's way less expensive. I mean, I'm talking like massively less expensive, like a 16th of the cost of litigation. Stay tuned for more from Susan and her guest, Ashley Nicole Russell with insights on why you should not hesitate to collaborate in your divorce. And we call the the collaborative session the container because then it's a contained area where we're helping you to communicate, we're helping you to have hard conversations. You don't have to worry about a blow-up happening at home or in Panera or at Starbucks, you know, while you're trying to discuss it. And so we're able to help you have facilitated conversations. If you are enjoying this episode, check out Struggling with Reentry, Strategies for Approaching Life After COVID and Divorce with Dr. Elizabeth Cohen, the divorce doctor. Absolutely. When you were talking about the mask, it made me think about the ring. You know, when do you decide to take your wedding ring off, right? Do you go to a party with it on or do you take it off, right? And now we return to today's show. And that means that you're saving your retirement and you're saving your kid's college fund and you're not draining those um, to fight over menial things. And a lot of that is because your communication's not cut off to begin with, wrapping back around to my original statement. You know, if you're always encouraged to communicate with each other, but with standards, and we call the, the collaborative session the container, because then it's a contained area where we're helping you to communicate, we're helping you to have hard conversations. You don't have to worry about a blow up happening at home or in Panera or at Starbucks, you know, while you're trying to discuss it. And so we're able to help you have facilitated conversations. We also have spreadsheets that show you everything that you have. There's generally one person who's more financially savvy than the other. That way it brings everybody to the same playing field. We have binders of every type of, um, you know, uh, every marital asset. So you physically have a binder, either a Google Drive binder or like a physical binder of everything that you would need for this upstart of your new life. And that's that's the biggest piece. So if you're going to make the decision to get divorced... Why would you unilaterally throw yourself into something that is worse for your mental state to try to come out on the other side and have some sort of successful second chance at life? You're going to first go way down here to then try to come way up here. Why, Why would you not automatically start that betterment of yourself, betterment of your ability to communicate, you know, stabilizing of your life with your first decision, which is, this relationship doesn't work for me. I want a better one. 
well, let's be facilitative of that from the beginning versus throw the court in, destroy your life, waste all your money, go way down here, then try to build back up. It's, it doesn't make any sense to do it that way. So really, this is just common sense. <laughs> I don't know how it seems so difficult for some people, but when they start to really see how common sense it is, most people buy in. And now we're at a generation where like my generation, my parents had a terrible divorce. I see the obviousness of everything about what happened and and how they got to the place that they did. I would never relive that, you know, and I think we're getting through now to this generation of people who are ready to embrace collaborative and mediation. And, and I think we're seeing that in both of our careers. I, I really agree. And I, I, so many things that you said there were, you know, so resound with me. Um, the, the first one being that communication, because I, that same rule was, I mean, for, for everyone out there who's listening, uh, when you are a divorce attorney, one of the very first things that you would say to your litigation client who retained you is from here on out, do not discuss the details of the divorce with your spouse leave that to me. That's my job. I'm the negotiator, you know, um, and, and it's done from a perspective of, um, I think positive intent so that you don't get into arguments with your spouse. You don't have to have difficult conversations with your spouse. Well-intentioned, not helpful to living your life because unless you want to keep your attorney on retainer for the rest of your life, (laughs) And pay them every time you need to talk to your now ex-spouse. It is only teaching you to be dependent in a communicative way through someone else. And you, you also said something, you know, it's like we don't trust people to behave themselves. And I think, you know, the one reason why the litigation model has become so entrenched is, one, it works for litigation attorneys, you referenced a little bit earlier, it's it's highly lucrative. It is a way to make money for attorneys. Um, I'm not saying that's the only reason they got into it, but it is what their financial model is, right? Litigation drives bigger fees, you make more money. But it also appeals to people at the beginning of their divorce because when they're hurt, when they're angry, when they're fearful, they, they want that adversarial process. They want to use that process to get back at their spouse or because they're fearful, they want to put their life in somebody else's hands to fix it for them or handle things for them. And they see the attorney that way. And, and that may feel good for about five minutes. And that, yeah, right? Like that little teeny five minutes. And then trust us, because we know and we've been there, it is not, it's not the way to live your life. I always tell people litigation is very past focused, right? It's all focused on what happened in your past and how can we get you what you want because of what happened in the past. Collaborative law and mediation are focused on setting you up for the future. Exactly what Ashley and Nicole, you just said, right? Don't start in the pit of financial ruin and emotional ruin and conflict, and then try to crawl out of that pit after your divorce to start your new life. Mm -hmm. You get to start because you're planning throughout the entire collaborative process, be it a collaborative 
divorce approach on that model, be it a collaborative mediation, be it whatever, you're focused on building the future for your your family in new ways. That is so, like, that is such a perfect way to describe it, the focus on the future, because, and it's, it's any concern that you have. So you're having this fear response. You're having this base of your brain response, right? You're using critter state, fight or flight. That's where, because you're, you're afraid and your body's very used to that. But you have this beautiful thing called a prefrontal cortex, which makes you a human and able to reason. And if you will put that into play, then you don't need litigation. You can actually reason and make good moves for your life and for your family to move forward. And that is the futuristic approach. You know, what are you uncomfortable with? Is it the finances? We can bring in a financial neutral. That person can explain everything to you, can go through every credit card statement you've ever had and tell you exactly what your spending habits are and exactly what you spend on groceries and exactly what you spend on haircuts and food. You know, all of that stuff can be, we can help you. What is your concern? So, Collaborative attorneys are designed to try to help you understand what are your fears? What is it that you're looking to achieve? What are your goals? What are your needs? It's a needs-based conversation. And I need to have my kids with me 24-7 and for my spouse to never see them. Okay, well, that is a control and security need, right? So let's talk about what does that mean? It means you don't want to miss out on seeing what happens with your kids because they're very young and they're learning so fast, We can totally understand that. Well, that doesn't mean that dad can't be a part of their life or mom can't be a part of their life. It just means that you want to have more interaction with them. So you don't want to go a whole week without seeing your child. You want it to be every two days you see your child. That way you're not missing those monumental milestones. If we break down the conversation, we can understand you're having this level of a conversation, but really we can bring it down to this deeper level, understand what your underlying need is and address it. There are so many ways to to reach win-win settlements. People think that's not realistic, um, but it is very realistic because generally both parents want the best for their kids, and that's the, that's the reality of it. And if we talk about it, we can actually get you there. Um, you know, are you afraid you're not going to get a good enough value on your house? Okay, well, we're going to bring in realtors and we're going to get appraisal values. We're going to talk about those values. We're going to make sure that you feel good. Do you not understand retirement? Do you not understand, you know, what your retirement picture is? We can bring in a financial person to help you understand that. Do you, does your spouse live in another state? Are you trying to figure out how you're going to be able to handle multi-state custodial um, conversations? We can bring in a child specialist that's going to be able to talk to you about that. And one of the most amazing things that we've done and this is how I've really figured out how much kids really absorb is bringing in financial special or uh, child specialists where, right. you know, they talk to the kids, they interview the kids, they're just having general casual conversation with them, very playful settings. And then they come back and report to the parents. So they're not saying, okay, this is your custodial schedule, but they're saying, these are the things that I learned from your children. They're craving stability, they're craving attention, they're craving this, you know, just from the conversations that I had with them. And then they can regurgitate word-by-word conversations that the parents had where they thought the kids were asleep or in another room or have no idea of the conflict that they have. That is not true. They are so aware. They are so incredibly aware. You're just not that good at hiding it, right? Because you're going to get on the phone with mom or grandma or your best friend or whatever, and you're going to let some things slip and they're going to be able to piece it together. They're, they're brilliant. Children are brilliant. Their minds are constantly putting things together and understanding how things are related. And so we're able to actually have those conversations with the clients instead of one person just trying to convince the court that the other 
person's a terrible person and that they're a better person. This is another thing. Stop thinking that when you walk in, the judge already thinks you're the better, better parent. The judge thinks you're both terrible parents because you're even there. Okay. They don't think anybody's great. They think you both suck because how are you having some random person who you've never met decide what's going to happen for the next 18 years of your kid's life? That means you're a, you you have not succeeded in that front. That is what that means. I'm sorry. You know, so they the judge is coming from a place of if the two of you can't communicate well enough to even figure out a soccer schedule, what hope do we have for you? So now I'm going to make a decision based on that. That's not what you want for your kids because you can talk about the soccer schedule. You're just been thrown into a culture where you can't right now. And that means that we can get you through that. Let's get you back to a place where you're making positive decisions for yourself and you're leveling up, not leveling down. Yeah. Such a, such an important point that leveling up, not leveling down. I am always talking about, you know, people always say, I've decided to get divorced. What's the first thing I should do? And I always say to them in that moment, when you've decided the most important thing to do is give yourself some space. Do not go rushing out and making decisions to hire an attorney to, you know, I call it the grace of space. Just, you know, take a breath, listen to a podcast like this or read a book like, you know, your book um, because you want to make a decision about how you're going to move through this process that is going to best support your family and your future. And so giving into that momentary, I'm angry, I'm hurt, I'm fearful, I'm going to hire the NAS, like our friend Ben Heldfond says, right? He wanted to hire the shark attorney to go after Nikki because it was all her fault. And thankfully, he took a pause Mm -hmm. and realized before it went too far down that road. And they ended up going, by the way, everyone, collaboratively, they had a collaborative divorce, right? So it can be done. Um, Now, one thing that I know people will ask, though, is, um, you know, clearly you have four firms or will shortly have four firms in North Carolina. If anyone's in North Carolina and looking to proceed collaboratively, you're covered. But where would someone go to find a collaborative practitioner in other states and other places? So not all 50 states have incorporated this in their general statutes. That does not mean that you don't still have access to contract law, which means that you could use an attorney from a different state and have a contract based on different state laws, maybe not your state if you happen to be in the void state. But there are so many states that have collaborative practitioners now. You can find those at IACP, which is the International Association of Collaborative Professionals, um, and they can help you to understand, you know, where the geographic map is of where all the different collaborative practitioners are. If you find a mediator or mediation, those people generally know the collaborative people. So they're going to be able to help you. That that whole arena is very, you know, those very connected together. So I think that those are good places to start. Um, but reaching out to a collaborative professional is really important. You know, there are so many of us who have national presence with podcasts, those types of things. So I think that that, you know, is a good place. And like you said, the pause is important because it's an information gathering pause. It is Get your ducks in a row, you know, find out what process options are available to you. What are the resources available to you? Gather information because you want to be able to have every time you're sitting in front of an attorney, you need to know what it is that you're asking them so that they're going to be on the same page with your ethical, moral code, um, you know, your character, your personality. You want to find someone who's in line with that 
and not just in line with what your ego is saying in the state of fear. You know, so that's a big difference. And so I think the pause is huge because you've made a decision, but it means that you need more information to make further decisions. And so, um, you know, I think collaborative is becoming more and more widespread. There's also uh, concepts like hello divorce, where you can, you know, attempt to do some things like this on your own, um, get some baseline down. You know, there may be, you know, a lot of things that you guys can figure out. And then if you're going to have conversations with your spouse, which I do encourage that you have conversations with your spouse about, where you guys are at as far as process, because it takes both of you to commit to an out-of-court process. Um, You know, I think it's important to focus on what do you agree on. Don't start with what you don't agree on. That that is going to be a laundry list. Let's go with what do we agree on. You're going to still drive your car and I'm going to drive mine? Okay, look at that. We have accomplished a 15th of the property already. (laughs) (laughs) So now we only have 14 more things to go. Um, But that's why we have professionals out there to help you with those 14 that are a little more difficult. Um, And one thing, like you said earlier, one of the things people usually agree on is you both want what's best for your children. And to just take this back to what you said at the very beginning, what you don't want for your children is what Ashley Nicole went through and what thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions of children go through when their parents cannot remove themselves from that conflict cycle. And, you know, you are not just affecting your lives. You are literally affecting your children's lives forever. Huge, Um, huge, huge, huge effect. And there are so many studies. Like, do yourself a favor. You don't have to just take our advice. You can look into it. There are plenty of studies that have been researching this since the 90s and the 80s, and the stats haven't changed. You know, they've only gotten worse, really, with the marital rate. And so the book, you know, I did write the book as a historical spec. Uh, perspective. It's a deep dive. It's so that you can understand um, the subtitle is repairing the damage within a lost class of people. And so the reason that we put it that way is that we want people to understand you're not alone. You're not the only person who's been through this. As a child of divorce, if you're now an adult, um, you're not the only person whose parents had a terrible divorce. There could have been a million other things that went wrong in your childhood. This is just the one that happened to you. You know, we all have a struggle. Everybody has a struggle, right? So I'm not, you know, just completely independent and my struggles so bad and it's every we all have struggles but there are so many of us who went through this and what we can do is see the common trends and the reason we can do that is so we can protect the future generations that's the whole point of it it's not so that we get lost in the past it's just so that we can learn from it so that we can see these this is the damage and this is how we prevent it but as a parent i'm going to go ahead and add to the list of guilt trips that you already have sorry but You know, you don't want to be responsible for your kid never getting married, for your kid having some sort of level of substance abuse or alcohol abuse, failing at relationships 24-7. And the level of suicide in this arena is crazy. And so you just, you don't want something that could have been as simple as choosing a different divorce process to relate to something so magnanimous. And the the ripple, it just keeps going throughout adulthood for these adult children of divorce. It's based on abandonment theory, attachment theory, you know, a lot of that type of stuff. Please, please look into it. And all my entire book is cited so that you can look at the research yourself. I don't want you to just take my word for it. Um, But that's the reason, right? It's not because it's just some 
tangential effect, something that's really unrelated. It's very related. It's very, very related. And we want to make sure that you give your kids the best shot at life. That's why you're leaving this relationship. You want to model for them a good relationship in some way or another. That's some basis of what you're doing. So if you have kids, that's why. And if you don't have kids, it's because why are you going to create so much level of animosity on something that you're leaving over tangible things? Like we can definitely handle that outside of court. So um, it's just really, it's awareness. It's awareness for the country. Um, You get so much advice from friends. Please stop taking that advice. Just make sure whoever you're getting advice from has some letters somewhere in their name that makes it to where they're a qualified person to give you an opinion on this because it's a big deal. And there's a lot of research that's gone into how to do this well and how to do it in a, in a way that's detrimental and just let us share that information with you. Yeah, it's so important. And and to that end, you have very generously offered to give away two copies of your book yes. to listeners of the podcast, which I'm very excited about. So we've decided what we're going to do is, um, as always, I will be posting on the Divorce and Beyond Instagram page throughout the week for this episode. So people, here's what you need to do. Find one of those posts repost it into your stories or into your feed and tag both at Divorce and Beyond and at ANR Law. That's your, um, that's Ashley Nicole's firm's um, uh, Instagram tag. And we will pick two winners at the end of the week and you will receive copies of the book, May I Dare Say, signed by you. Yes, of course. Yeah, signed by Ashley Nicole and coming your way. So be on the lookout for that. And the best way to get in touch with you, Ashley Nicole. It's going to be at ANR Law or at our website, ANRLaw.com. And um, you can reach out to us. We love to you know, get feedback from listeners. We love to engage with you about the book or what you find or questions that you have. There are tons of pictures and images and maps and graphs and links. You know, We invite you to explore that. If you have any questions, we're more than happy. Um, and if you, you know, are in North Carolina, obviously we're happy to represent you and help you through this difficult time. If you're not in North Carolina and you're looking for other collaborative attorneys, we may be able to help you in other states as well. So definitely use us as a resource. You know, my mission is to change how divorce is handled in America. And I don't do that in a vacuum. I do that by interacting with all of you and being able to help you directly. So I'm here. Use me as a resource. Susan's an amazing resource too. We're here for you and we believe in your ability to get through this. We know you can. And you know, trust Ashley Nicole. She is, is she built from the ground up for law firms, folks, written a book, having a baby. And uh, just, this is not a woman. This is a woman on a mission. Um, So (laughs) I am so thrilled that we got to do this episode. Thank you so much. I I am looking forward to it coming out very shortly. Um, We're taping this one week. It'll come out the next week. And um, for those of you who can't wait to get to the book, get the book, it's already available through a link on the divorceandbeyondpod.com website. Um, you can get it on Ashley Nicole's website, anrlaw.com. Also and, Amazon. Uh, and, yep, Amazon. And uh, I'll have links to everything in the show notes. So Ashley Nicole, 
Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Oh, and our podcast is Divorce Healthy. So if you are looking for another podcast option, that is the name of our podcast. And forgot to mention that one. And in, in I did too. I apologize because I was on it not long ago. <laughs> yes. And so thank you so much, Susan. Love all the work that you're doing and that we're all doing collectively. I know that as we continue to all do this, all of the boats will rise together. We're, we are on a mission. It's going, it is happening, not that it's going to happen. So thank you. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.